Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. The culture is the culture. It's four to six A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State. Welcome back to 4 to 6 with A&B, your high state podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis, uh, not joined by Ari Wasserman, who is uh, enjoying fatherhood. He had a, a beautiful baby girl last week, and uh, he he anticipated being on the podcast, and uh, not surprisingly, he's not able to do that this week. We'll have him back, I think, here in short order, but uh, pinch hitting for Ari stepping in. Uh, we're very pleased to have Max Olson, a national college football writer for The Athletic. Max, how you doing, and do you have any advice for new father Ari? <laughs> how much time you got um i i gave him like a 30 minute call before Liv was born and we talked through the delivery part i'm saving the next next phase of that the the four to six weeks of hell uh, i'll give him that that talk when he wants it but he's in it right now so um honestly though i'm i'm, I'm honored it, this is like a theater production you know like the role of re will be played by understudy max olson today and this this could be my uh my big break here you know yeah i think it could be i'm, I'm trying to remember uh I think maybe there's only been one other episode where Ari wasn't on, and I had Nick Baumgartner on at his place, and he did very well. Uh, but I think I think you can perform the role of Ari maybe a little better than Nick did. I'm gonna put on my my theorizing cap here and do my best. Um, <laughs> and you know, it's it, funny enough, like Ohio State is actually the beat that I wanted to cover when I was coming out of college. Oh, is that right? I didn't know that. Didn't, didn't yeah. Who who knows how my life would be different when I when I got a. I got hired by ESPN out of college, and they were putting together their recruiting nation deal, RIP. I think that lasted like a couple of years. But, um, you know, at the time, I was like pretty early in, and they, they sent me a list of like, here's the beats we want to cover. And my girlfriend, who's now my wife and I, we were looking at it, and I was like, I think Columbus sounds pretty good. You know, coming from Nebraska, it's like kind of a pretty, you know, not similar, but, um, you know, like more of a college town kind of vibe staying in this part of the country she wanted athens which i think would have been fun too and then like a day or two later the boss was like yeah you're going to austin texas which is not the dream of nebraskans growing up uh but but was phenomenal so who knows how life could be different uh you know if if uh, i'd come through there would have been fun yeah well let's we'll just pretend like you've been covering ohio state for like the last decade and uh and we'll you know we'll, we'll analyze uh the big win over Rutgers that way, I, I suppose. Uh, I, I don't think we need to do, you know, a, a major recap on Ohio State beating Rutgers fifty-two to thirteen. I think that's that's sort of been par for the course um, with, with Ohio State and Rutgers in this series since the Scarlet Knights have joined the Big Ten. But I, I will ask you this, Max, like your perspective on this: Ohio State was only a, a fifteen and a half point favorite going into that game, which is by far the smallest spread that's existed between these two teams. I think two years ago it was like fifty-two or something. Right? Spread yeah. Yeah. When you saw that number, were you surprised by it, or did it make sense to you given where Ohio State was and, frankly, given where Rutgers was coming off a good game against Michigan? Yeah, I feel like we're still – it's not early in the season anymore, really, now that we cross into October, but it does feel like – based on what you went and saw out, out there on the East Coast, did you did you learn – like, did that tell you more about Rutgers or more about Michigan, I guess, based on that last game <laughs> they played? You know what I mean? 
Right. No, I think it was very instructive a little bit, on, or not very very instructive on Michigan, um, which, which played well against Wisconsin. But I remember thinking to myself, catching what I caught of the Rutgers-Michigan game, thinking, man, I, I think Rutgers should have won that game. And yeah. I know people are very high on Michigan, but then, then seeing what Rutgers put out there on the field this past weekend, I was like, oh, I don't know about Michigan. I, I think that we're probably about to get back to that point, don't you think, over these next uh, – what, what's the line for this week with Maryland already? Uh, I think it was something around three touchdowns. I'll look it up right now. Uh, we're, we're, probably, we're probably crossing that 20-point territory again here for the next few, I would think. Yeah, Maryland at home, Indiana on the road. Penn State at home, I don't. I don't think will be cool not Penn State. Thing. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm actually like very curious. Well, we'll see. Penn State plays Iowa before it plays Ohio State, so maybe people will start to think differently um, of Penn State before that game rolls around. But that's yeah. going to be phenomenal this weekend. I can't wait to watch that one. I w- It always bothers me. I feel like anytime there's a big game on that I want to watch, like Ohio State's game, it butts up right same against window. It. And, yeah. yeah, and I can't. Wa- so Ohio State's at noon this week. Which is not the same time as Penn State Iowa at four o'clock, but like I'll be writing after the game, and by the time I'm done, it'll be like the mid third, mid to late third quarter, probably. Especially with the way that Iowa and Penn State play offense, I think you know that game might be like two and a half hours long. For sure, yeah, no, that's that's going to be um, that's that that is going to be you know huge in terms of kind of setting the narrative here going forward too, and honestly, just from a national standpoint, just the Big Ten East race has has been fascinating to watch because I think you've got clearly some really good teams you know and and you know to, to what degree we're about to find out um but i think the way that michigan and michigan state have started to go along with penn state um it does feel like i don't think the big 10 east is wide open i really don't i think ohio state is is going to continue to get its act together and, and take care of business here but man that, that like that november schedule all of a sudden looks pretty fun uh, especially with the yeah. way like nebraska is suddenly playing good defense too it it does it, it's it's a far more interesting slate than than I anticipated it being coming into this year, and I'm I'm glad you said what you said about the Big Ten East because I I'm a little curious on where you stand on that coming off a game where I, I, like Ohio State is just starting to look like itself, and granted, yeah, you know Akron is Akron, and and I think Rutgers is an improving program, but clearly it's still got a lot of ground to make up. So I don't know how much credit you want to give Ohio State for for running Rutgers off the field, but they at least looked like how you expected them to look. But then you look at the Big Ten East, you know, there's four, there's four teams in the top 11 of the AP poll in the right. Big Ten East, which is crazy. Uh, five teams in, in the top 11 from the Big Ten in, in general. Like, do you – the rankings would tell you, I think, that the Big Ten East is the best division in college football. I don't know if my head and my heart tell me that, but, like, wh- where are you on? Do you, do you look at these four teams, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, and think, like, oh, yeah, that's the best division in college football right now? I think so. I mean, I guess, you know, and I, and I suppose if Penn State wins this week, then that, that sort of solidifies that a bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, and I think part of that is that they've beat good teams, too. It's not mm-hmm. just like – it's not just sort of rolling rolling through pretty easily to this point. I mean, I think that, um, you know, Michigan State has, has some pretty legit wins. I mean, they you know, it was 50-50 game from Nebraska, but they found a way to win. Certainly a legit win over Miami. Now, you know, we'll see how well that, that one ages because Miami could could go in the tank here at some point. We'll see uh, if they aren't already. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, Michigan, um, you know, Michigan took care of business this last in this last one here um, against, man, I, like, Wisconsin's offense. Holy moly. Like, I, was, I was very wrong about Wisconsin. <laughs> I looked it up, year. like, their last six Big Ten games they played going back to last year. Like, after the first two where Mertz was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, last six games in Big Ten play, they're averaging 11 points a game. And they have twice as many three and outs as, as scoring drives. Wow. Like, they are. They are <laughs> lost, man. Um, but, is... um, but, no, Michigan, Michigan has, you know, I – been about as good as you could could hope if you're a Michigan fan, I suppose, at this point. And then, you know, Penn State has has some really, you know, like Auburn just beat LSU. Like that's mm-hmm. con- going to continue to look like a really legit one for Penn State. Um, and, and certainly I think we saw with the way they played Wisconsin, like we know, um, you know, like I, 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 the matchup this week is going to be so fun to see because, you know, these are two of the best defenses in the country, Iowa and Penn State. And I feel like the thing that Penn State has that 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 you know maybe makes the difference is just Dotson's ability to get behind secondaries, you know, and just can yeah. that be in a grinder kind of game? Is that the thing that Iowa just doesn't have, you know? And I think I I think Penn State's got the better QB too, obviously. But um, no, I think this 
I think this, uh, you know, division is 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 looking really, um, really strong. And and I and you know, up until Saturday, I think you would say Rutgers has, has done about everything right too. You know, so um, it's um, it's it's not a cakewalk this year. That's for sure. It's not, and and I, I find it a bit refreshing actually because I, you know yeah. I've been covering Ohio State since 2014, and there've been far too many years where the Big Ten in general was just sort of a cakewalk for them and, and not particularly interesting. And this is this is not that. This is almost the the, the 180 of that. So it will make for an interesting season. But uh, Max, where were you on Ohio State before? Like I, I don't, it's Rutgers, right? So I don't want to I don't want to pretend like it was this like linchpin in the season where Ohio State got everything <laughs> figured out. But at the same Wait, time, we, we've gone too long. How how was the beach? Oh, the beach was lovely. Yeah, the people beach really great. responded to that beach photo. I was only there. Yeah, I, I, uh, my my father actually lives there now, so it's great. Um, nice. So I was there just for a day, but it was a beautiful day. I got to go on the beach in the morning. Um, I walked down to the beach solely for the uh, intention of taking that photo mm-hmm. of the ocean and then tweeting B one G. Like I'll be transparent about that. I'm all about That's the Twitter okay. likes. Um, but it was great. Yeah. No, I love. Uh, I might be the only person uh, covering college football who thinks that the Rutgers road trip is the best road trip to take every other Interesting. year. Interesting. I've never been out there. Uh, you know, there's not much to it. <laughs> the, 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 the campus. I've been there, like I think, four times now. I still don't really know where the campus is or what it looks like. Uh, the football stadium is not really anything to write home about. But, you know, there's good pizza. Uh, it's close to Philadelphia, which is really all I care about. That's all um, that matters. And Proximity. you're, you know, you're yeah. a stone's throw from the beach, too. So that's really all I need. I, don't I, need- I love that when people, like, you know, with, with our job, we go we go cover a bunch of games. And sometimes people ask you, like, oh, man, what's that campus like? And you're like, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I can tell you what the, the, the stadium and the parking lot outside the stadium look like, you know. Yeah, I can tell you what the Fairfield is. <laughs> 25 minutes from campus looks like when i was in when i was younger and like in college you would yeah you'd go on the friday and it would you would like you know do more of the nightlife and you could actually say like oh man you know get the college experience around this place and now we're, we're just old and yeah you know stuck in our ways we just want to ha- we just want to have a good meal that's about that's it right. i want to get into town have dinner go to sleep and then wake up the next day to cover the game that's all yeah you know. that's right yeah so that was about the way of it uh, at Rutgers. um it was a dominating performance from Ohio State, uh, yeah. the likes of which we have not seen this year. Did it do anything to change your opinion of where you think Ohio State's headed this year, even though it was Rutgers? Do, do you feel like – I, I, not to throw a question back, right back at you, but but in terms of looking at that game and, and what they were able to do in that one on both sides of the ball, mm-hmm. I feel like it was like – that was kind of the Ohio State team that you – I think we all thought it was going to kind of look like in the preseason, wouldn't you say? Yeah, especially on offense. Yes, um, the defense, and that's struck- and that alone is refreshing. Like that's not that's for no sure. small feat, obviously, for what they've gone through so far. To say like, yeah, that's that's what it's supposed to look like. Um, and I, and maybe you know, you, there's been so many years of that that people kind of are just you know you do get used to it so much that then when you play a few that you you have to struggle through then then it's very upsetting. But I mean that's you know that that is it, for for what this team's gone through so far a very good accomplishment to have a boring easy win over Rutgers. Yeah, and and against a pretty good at least a pretty good Rutgers defense. You know, Rutgers yeah. offense is not particularly good, but Rutgers defense I think is actually probably like a fairly solid like top 40-ish kind of defense maybe even a little better than that and Ohio State did whatever it wanted right. um, and CJ Stroud uh, looked as comfortable as he's looked all year looked like very in command I thought they did some things to put him in better positions and like make it more of an offense tailored to him maybe than, than what we saw in his first three starts against Minnesota Oregon and and certainly against Tulsa so I thought it was a really good step in, in the right direction for Ohio State um, and, and I include the offense on that too because you know Rutgers is very limited uh, or excuse me Ohio State's defense uh, Rutgers is very limited offensively but at the same time like Ohio State has shown itself prone to giving up big plays kind of no matter the caliber of opponent it was playing and aside from one 75-yard touchdown where it was like a, a breakdown there in a the secondary. Rutgers didn't do yeah. anything until Ohio State started putting like backups into the game. So it was dominant. It was it was dominant in the way you expect Ohio State to be dominant on both sides of the ball. And I, I, Honestly, I, I thought you made a great point in your final thoughts piece about um, it does seem like they're figuring out the right style for Stroud, um, yeah. and maybe that is – a little more Haskins than Fields in terms of the comfort zone, you know, and and obviously like that's not a bad thing at all. You can be ex- no. extremely productive doing it that way. But I think you watched, like I watched the Minnesota game from start to finish, and, and early on, it's like 
you wouldn't say Stroud had an accuracy issue, but I felt like it's like, are these the kind of throws that he's most comfortable making, even if you do always trust your receiver to go make a play? You know, like I think you saw in, in that game, and you did a great job breaking it down, but I think you saw against Rutgers um, just sort of like that, a little bit of that fine-tuning of this is this is what he can do really well in our offense as opposed to saying, hey, CJ, here's what we need you to become because this is what the last guy could do, you know? Yeah, yeah. I always envisioned – Really, whoever the quarterback was this year as more of a point guard, um, kind of in, the, and I think Dwayne, like yeah. Dwayne Haskins. If you look at Dwayne Haskins' numbers, you wouldn't maybe think he was that, but he was very much that. Like he wasn't a big time vertical push the ball down the field kind of quarterback like Justin Fields was. Um, and it's not to say maybe C.J. Stroud can get there someday, but but he's not there yet. And I don't I don't really think Ohio State should be relying on him to be there yet. They should just put him in positions that get the ball to Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and Jeremy Ruckert and Trevion Henderson and let, let those guys do the work. And, and I think you're seeing that now. Um, Ohio State's playmakers like did not have a bunch of production after the catch the two years that Justin Fields was quarterback because they were all catching the ball 50 yards down the field already anyway. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, that's coming back now. And, and I think you know Ohio State's offensive numbers at the moment, and granted they've not played – tremendous defensive opponents they're pretty absurd like they lead the country in yards per play they're up oh, it's like almost eight and a half yards per play which is like you know elite elite when we talk about some of the best offenses we've seen the last few years and, and certainly in, in program history so there's a lot of a lot of room to go still for, for them they, they still play most of the best defenses they're going to face this year later in the year but man that that what I saw on Saturday was was sort of how I envisioned this offense looking almost to a T when CJ Stroud was kind of, you know, slinging it all over the place on those short to intermediate throws. The, the thing that scares you so much is Ohio State's um, averaging 555 yards a game and, and Pitt is averaging 554. So can yeah, you keep up Pitt with Pitt? From? Yeah, where did Pitt come from? I saw that. <laughs> what is going was, on with Kenny Pitt? I was Pickett? looking up those stats and I was like, what, Pitt? Where did Pitt? that come from? Um, yeah, it, it, but I, uh, I'm, no, I'm, I'm with you. And I, and I think that that's like, like my point of view watching Ohio State generally is like, and maybe this is just like a little bit too, you know, like a little too video game or fantasy football kind of like point of view or whatever. But I think you look at it and you just say like Henderson, Olave, Wilson, Smith and Jigma, Rucker, a dozen other receivers, like the the other backs they've got. Like I don't worry about them, you know. Like I don't I don't worry about them. And this this was the kind of game that kind of maybe helps you get back to that sort of thinking of like. Um, I like I know it's not that simple, but in these Big Ten games, it probably can. You probably can have a few more of these, like like Rutgers or Minnesota, where like no matter what you're dealing, working through, or whatever, you can always just kind of beat them with your playmakers. You know, you can always kind of day can call the right stuff to. And in this case, just like like the man, the the one to Olave. Um, Really impressed me from Stroud, where you know he avoids the free rusher up the middle, steps up, makes the crossbody throw, and Alave does the rest. Like that was one of those, like okay, yeah, this could could end up being a dude, but it doesn't like have to. It, it, it like you said, it, it can be more yak this year because you got the guys. Yeah, and and, and you're that, good at drawing it up to get them in space for sure. And and I thought we saw that on Saturday too, just a little more creativity from Ohio State's offense. But that that play that you're referencing, like that to me was. You still want to see that, like you, uh, you don't want to expect it all the time, but you want to know that C.J. Stroud has the ability to do something like that. And he made a similar play, I believe it was against Tulsa. It's, I believe it was Tulsa where he escaped the sack, ran out to the sideline, kind of threw on the run, and put a ball on Chris Olave, and Chris Olave dropped it. And like that guy never drops passes, right? So that there was there was just like a, I think like some cobwebs. I, I don't know what was going on with the offense. Just had some stuff to work through, starting with the quarterback. But I was always pretty confident they were going to get it figured out. And it seems like they're starting to get it figured out in a major way. And and their version of like working through stuff is, as you know, like eight point five right. play. <laughs> yeah, you they're know, only, they're and merely they're, averaging forty five points per game. Maybe. Right, and they're second nationally in explode. You know, twenty plus plays. I mean, they're 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 still where they should be, even if you would say. You know, it's there's been some bumps in the road here. I mean, offensively, like they're, man, I when when I think that we're gonna can just continue to see and, and yeah, there's gonna be great defenses ahead, and it's gonna take, um, you know, really really good work by by Dan Wilson to kind of figure out how they want to you know execute this. But I think they have the ability. I, I I don't worry about Stroud. I really don't. Um, as long as he's you know shoulders fine and staying healthy and all that, I think they can continue to be. 
um, you know, remarkably creative in their approach to, to this offense. And when you've got the back to balance it out too, and they've got a couple, but when you've got Henderson running the way he has, then, you know, it's, it's gotta be a nightmare for people just to, to try to figure out a plan for him each week. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. We did our uh, first Heisman Trophy straw poll this week on the Athletic, um, and I know I think you wrote last week that that the Heisman picture was not particularly clear. Yeah, um, and I don't know if I got more clear after this week. But when you look just at the numbers, did you consider C.J. Stroud at all for your one of your top three spots? Yeah, yeah, I think Stroud and Henderson are going to be in the conversation. I, yeah. I do. I mean, I think that part of that is that like. I don't know who are we calling Bryce Young the front runner at this point? I mean, I think I think you have to, but you know, I don't feel. But he didn't right even have to do that much against right Ole Miss. You know, I mean, they they can they could just run the ball. I think almost thirty times with Brian Robinson and sort of get through that one. So, um, I think that I think there's opportunity here for sure. Um, and that's you know, I'm not I'm not going to say corrals all the way out of it either. But there's I think there's a chance here for you know we'll see what Rattler does. Um, you know, Sam Howell's already lost a couple games. Like Desmond Ritter belongs in the conversation at this point. I think Bijan Robinson definitely belongs in the conversation. But there's a there's a, definitely a chance here. Um, you know, just like we we've seen with the past few Ohio State quarterbacks, there I think there's a, an opportunity here to get on a run. And people are I think it's the the, the platform is like very wide open right now in terms of the Heisman. So I I wouldn't be sh- shocked if someone you know from the Buckeyes is, is in New York just because I think that. Um, you know, anyone can kind of go out and grab that right now. Uh, around here after the Tulsa game, there was a lot of, oh, I don't know, a decent level of concern, I think, about C.J. Stroud and people wanting to see Kyle McCord. You get to see him against Akron. I think that's been put to bed. But where where were you on that? Like, were you watching Ohio State in the first three weeks thinking to yourself, like, man, I don't know if this is the right guy at quarterback? Not really. I mean, you know, and I don't – I'm not at practice watching, you know, Kyle McCord and, and having some great sense of what the ceiling is there. Watched Ohio State spring game, but that's that's about all I'm going off of, you know. So, um, I mean, obviously I think that um, people expecting, you know, Quinn to play this year are crazy. I mean, I, that's just yeah. it's just such an un, unprecedented setup there, you know, that – and that's not, that's not the fault of the kid at all. I think literally any high school player, you throw him into the – the team in August, they're not ready to play this year, you know? Um, so, you know, I, as good as he could be, you know, I think it doesn't really make sense to, to try and figure that out this year. Um, yeah, I think I, like to me, I, I didn't watch, you didn't watch Minnesota and Oregon games and say, this ain't the guy. Not, not really. It's just, maybe you just had to, I think maybe we all just had to have a little bit of appreciation, um, of, you know, Freshman stuff happening, you know, and, yeah. and, and that's and, – and in, in context now, you'd say, like, look at how DJ is playing at Clemson. Mm-hmm. Like, you could have some bad freshman stuff happening too, you know, in terms of what you're getting from your quarterback play. Um, and, and certainly there's a huge difference there because Ohio State's got the dudes, and right now I think we're seeing that Clemson doesn't really have the dudes offensively. But, um, you know, I, I, it could be a lot worse in terms of <laughs> in terms of how your new starter is playing, uh, no matter how talented they are, you know, because and, and it's such a – I don't know. There's so much that goes into that performance. But um, I, I, I think that – I mean, I like I liked Stroud going into this year, and I, I really haven't seen a whole lot that – would dissuade me from that. And, you know, I think it's with any of this stuff, we can kind of be prisoners of the moment a little bit and say, okay, well, there's, here's what we saw against Oregon 
what if it's this way a lot this year, you know? Right. And I, I mean, how do you, how do you, and obviously there's a defensive part of that conversation that has to be had, but how, how do you like, do you look back on that a little bit differently now in terms of, I don't think y'all overreacted at all. I really don't think that was the case. I think there were some pretty clear problems, but at least offensively in this conversation, do you feel like, okay, that, that was just early season stuff and, and they're kind of where they're supposed to be now? Yeah, that's how I feel. And that, I mean, I've, I really felt that way all along. I wrote after the Oregon game. Like, I did a, I did a film study uh, story after the Oregon game, and I tweeted it out in a bit of a snarky way. And I said, like, uh, I watched the Oregon game. Here's my take. C.J. Stroud is, in fact, good. Uh, so, like, and then, you know, the Tulsa game was not, a like, the next step in that. So I get why people were frustrated right. with him. Right. Um, and part of it's his, his shoulder, I suppose, that he had the rest against Akron. Didn't appear to be bothering him at all against Rutgers. Um, he was very accurate in that game, like shockingly accurate yeah. in that game. Um, so no, this is this is not surprising to me. It's just that I expected him to start to look like this two games ago, coming off the Oregon game. I, I thought he like maybe maybe had found something against Oregon, um, and did, maybe didn't play particularly and, well. And then Tulsa is like the get right game, and it it was just yeah, a weird game. And it wasn't. I was like, I I thought Tulsa was going to be like a springboard to like the CJ Stroud that everyone kind of expected him to be, and it wasn't right. that. Right. Um, and then you know they messed around with that team a little bit too. That game was probably closer than it should have been. So I understand that there's a lot of of finger pointing to go around. I think with Ohio State and its early season struggles, but. Um, CJ Stroud, I felt always got a little too much of that uh, because there was just not enough patience with a guy who was making his his first career start, his first college action, and I think folks were like expecting him to be Justin Fields, and it's like Justin Fields is pretty good, man. Like there's not like there's not a Justin Fields every year, and I think you know maybe people are starting to come around on that, and, and I hope appreciating CJ Stroud for the quarterback that he is, which is still a pretty good one, even if it's not Justin Fields level. Well, that's also the danger of like a couple games in being like, oh, he could never be Justin Fields. It's like, I mean, we'll see. You know, <laughs> like there's still a lot of a lot of growth ahead, and and yeah, there. I, I think that, um, you know, the, this is the fun thing is you just keep recruiting five stars, and you just but they're all going to be a little bit different in what they do well. You know, right. um, so I think that, um, and I, I especially with a guy like him, it's just you also when you have a, an early test like that, it's just. Is the guy going to get like a little bit shook, or is the guy going to you know respond the right way? You know, in terms of and 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 then for him, you know, then you go miss a game too. So it's like, mm-hmm. I think there is probably also that, you know, when you put a young quarterback in that spot, like the leadership piece of it's always a little bit weird. But just like the confidence part of it is is almost more important. Of just like does that kid, you know, when when you throw when when this doesn't go the way he thought it was going to go, does he does he you know sort of figure it out? Does he respond the right way or you know, do you have that? That would be the thing to me where you have to start to, if, if, if like Ryan Day seeing stuff like signs that he doesn't like, then that's when you start having the like, dang, maybe we do need to go play somebody else. But it seems like Stroud's sort of, uh, you know, do you think that he's, he's just sort of stepped up the right way as you, you would have hoped this week? Yeah, I think he did. And, and I'm not sure if Ryan Day ever had any, any doubt about that. He's, yeah, the, the, the Akron week was weird because like I think CJ pretty clearly needed to rest and it was hard to gauge what exactly Ryan Day wanted out of that week, whether or not he was hopeful that Kyle McCord would like take the thing and run with it, or if he was hopeful that it would work out the way it did, where it was like pretty clear that I think Kyle McCord's not not quite ready right now, yeah. and CJ Stroud was the right pick all along. Like I, I don't know how Ryan Day was hopeful that would break, and I guess we'll never know that. But the way it has broken is that uh, it's pretty clear to me, and I think to him, and I think to everybody else that that CJ Stroud was the right guy all along. Um, and now I guess we have to monitor his health because if his shoulder shoulder is sore and he's throwing the ball 30 times a game, I'd imagine it's going to get sore again, and he's going to have to learn to play through that. Um, but I do think he's got a pretty high ceiling as a quarterback, and, and I think we're starting to see it all come together a little bit, both in terms of his skill set and his confidence and his abilities, and also the way that they're constructing the offense around him, that, that this could you know start to build into something pretty special here in the next few weeks. Well, and it's like, can you you know can he do a good enough job in these next two games um, that he can get out of them in the third quarter, you know, and just sort of yeah, right. sort of minimize the the usage there a little bit to get ready for this stretch run, you know. Yeah, and I, it could happen. I, I don't know if I would have said that two weeks ago about the Maryland <laughs> game coming up, but after right. watching Maryland play Iowa, I think I think that's certainly possible. And I think the last time Ohio State played Maryland, Ohio State hung seventy on them. So 
Um, to me, the big key at the Maryland game is just can you force seven turnovers, you know? Yes. Because Maryland is 0-1 when, when they give away seven turnovers. I saw uh, – was it you who tweeted this about Talia? Like, uh, was – like 100-something quarterbacks had more interceptions than him, and then after that game, like only three had uh, – Oh, no, I didn't I didn't see him. that. I don't know. Somebody somebody put it on the time on my on my Twitter timeline. It was like Talia Tungavailoa went from like the most efficient quarterback to the least efficient quarterback in one night. It was kind of, <laughs> it was kind of, it was kind of absurd. Yeah, yeah, that was um, that was a weird one. And Iowa, there's just I, I went to their uh, their game against Iowa State, um, and they they just have this. I mean, they're good. I'm not I'm not trying to knock them at all, but um, their defense is very good. Um, but they just have this sort of thing where they are very good at just saying like, all right, we're going to start this game and we're just going to kind of wait for them to screw up. And then when yeah. they screw up, we're going to kill them. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like, let's go try and get up 21. Oh, it's like, I think let's see if they let us get up. 21. <laughs> like there's just, they're, they're just very good at like, um, you know, making you make mistakes, playing short fields and, and just beating you that way. So it's, um, yeah, that, that and so how much of that do you say like man Maryland is is a fraud? Like I don't know if I really totally buy that. I think that was just kind of a meltdown game. And they probably will get right for this one. I mean, you know, I think they probably will not be as bad as they they showed, but I mean, how do you, how do you kind of look at that one here to start the week? I find it very interesting cuz I agree with you. I don't I don't think what happened against Iowa is is sort of like the real Maryland. Um I think Maryland under Mike Loxley and like forever has not handled expectations very well. So yeah. I remember a few, I remember a few years ago uh, we were out in Nebraska for Ohio state versus Nebraska and Maryland was hosting Penn state on a Friday night and Maryland was looking good. And I thought to myself like, man, I, I like the Terps here. I'm going to, I think I'm going to bet on the, ter- I, I never bet on anything. I was like, I'm going to bet on the Terps here to beat Penn state at home. Like went to, and they were still pretty big underdogs. And then Penn state just like ran them off the field. And the same <laughs> thing happened in this game. I was like, man, I think, I think Maryland would have a shot to beat Iowa and Iowa just ran them off the field. So I, I think Maryland does not do particularly well in that uh, specific situation, but their offense would still scare me a little bit. If I were Ohio state with, you know, yeah. Talia is still a good quarterback. They have great receivers. They've always had good skill guys. Um, they've never, Really had the offensive line. The, the, the Demas injury didn't look good, though. I'm curious what his status will be this week. It did yeah. not look good. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. I haven't seen an update. I, would, I haven't seen I mean, an update either. Yeah. Judging by how it looked, I would suspect he's not going to play this week. Um, but even if he doesn't play, like Raheem Jarrett is, is still enough to, to keep me up at night if I'm uh, sure. Matt Barnes, Ohio State's new defensive coordinator who doesn't have yeah. the title of defensive coordinator. Um, so I think it, it still, to me, is a good test of where exactly Ohio State's defense is, and I'm, I'm excited to watch it. I think we felt that way last year, too, and then the game didn't get played. It got canceled. Yeah. Um, so this is a good um, next step, I think, for, for Ohio State's defense. And I am curious where you are on that, because I remember a couple weeks ago you you sent me a message on Slack about because you were writing about the panic meter um, and your Saturday takeaways. And you <laughs> I think it was after Ohio, Tulsa. I after say. the Tulsa game, yeah. And you had Ohio State on a 6 out of 10, and I think much of that was based on how the defense had looked, right? Um, where, where are you at now on the Ohio State panic meter after so, the last couple of weeks? So that was a week when we were, as you remember, there was a, a time here for really kind of a couple of weeks where it was Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma. You're like, these are three, you assume they're always in the playoff mix. You know, which one should we be most concerned about? And... Honestly, of those three, I think I'm least concerned about Ohio State. I mean, I, re- yeah. I, I would say that. You know, like I think um, – and it's not just all about, like, you know, close games and stuff, but certainly those two teams keep playing really close games and, and potentially losable games. Um, my, my panic on Ohio State's really re- really not all that high, but I, I, I suppose with any of this stuff, it's all about um, – you know, you're, you're still talking about, okay, well, it's all, it's all relative, so can Ohio State be – um, a playoff team, yeah, totally, yeah. They, I, I, I think so. I think so. Now you've you've got a, a tough road to to get there, and mm-hmm. you, you know if you don't beat Penn State, that's not going to happen. Um, but part of this that's that's I, I get I get that it's frustrating, especially like after you know, especially when you go play that national title game, like everything wants to be viewed in this context of like, well, are we as good as Alabama, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like. Uh, you know, do you have Alabama and Georgia dudes right now, like? What what do you what do your eyes tell you versus you know what you've seen from Georgia and Alabama so far? You know, 
Yeah, I I think Ohio State has that caliber of dude on offense. Quite, like, I think so, in quite a yeah. few spots. Yeah. On on defense, uh, it's hard to see. I, there are some guys I really like on Ohio State's defense. Um, right. You know, Denzel Burke I think is going to be an All American corner. Someday. I think so too. Yeah. Um, Ronnie Hickman is playing really well, but up front and in the in the linebacker position, I, I don't see it. And but the, the, right, right. So it's like. My eyes tell me in terms of defense, they've got some some good pieces, and and we know especially like on the defensive line, we've got some some very talented players, right? And so, um, and and you know, there's a lot to that, obviously. But like at the same time, you know, if they can pull this runoff, then it just comes down to matchups. Then then it's just right. about can you be a little bit better than an Alabama or a Georgia over the course of. 12 drives on offense, 12 drives on defense. And, and, but, but for, I mean, the first thing that matters is can you be a little bit better than Penn state, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, um, you know, I, but I, I don't really, you know, so I know that it's all relative to like national title hopes. I get that, but I don't really worry about Ohio state as good as I think the, the big 10, the best teams in the big 10 are this year. Um, I, I, you know, I think that it seems to me and, and, and I'm, I'd love to talk to you about that defense, but it seems to me like, they have it was a pretty and i listened to the, the this podcast after the Oregon game absolutely loved the the commentary um that was an incredible podcast but and all and all this like all of the takes all the panic all that stuff was like totally warranted you know i'm not For sure you know, there's not i don't think there's no part of like that post Oregon stuff that you regret right in terms of like your your point oh. of view on things no, no. I, in fact, I feel validated by it by how much they've changed right. the last three weeks. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, um, I, I think they, I think Brian. It, to me, it seems like Ryan Day did a pretty good job of diffusing the situation. Yes, and a, a, a difficult situation. Like he, he demoted a beloved figure in the program from defensive yes. coordinator, um, which you know was admitting a mistake in the first place by by bringing Kerry Combs into that role, and then they made what I would consider fairly substantial like structural and schematic changes to their defense. Like they they really revamped that thing in a way that I was not expecting quickly, um, and maybe part of that explains why the Tulsa game looked the way it did because you know they were doing a fair amount of different stuff in that game and it didn't always work the right way but it, you know it's Akron and Rutgers after that so take take it with a grain of salt I suppose but it does feel right. like they're settling into some of these new things a little bit um, and they have guys young guys who are, who are playing a little bit more confidently in a system that was not the one that they practiced in for like all of spring and all of camp and the first two weeks of the season so I, I'm I'm encouraged by what I've seen, shocked a little bit by how much it's changed. Yeah. And but I but I still, you know, I'm not entirely sure what the ceiling is there, but I do feel They kind of lucked out on the schedule too cuz you just haven't had a crisis moment. Yeah. You know, at this point and you you're not going to till the end of the month, I don't think. You know, like you're not really going to have that okay, fourth quarter tie game, like what kind of defense do we have? Like you're not really going to have that situation until you play Penn State. Like I think the schedule, were, I, and I'm, maybe I'm jumping too far ahead here, but I think the schedule set up well for them to be like, we got time to sort of, you know, roll this out and then get better at it. Yeah, I, I think they do, which is a good thing, but also would maybe scare me a little bit if I'm an Ohio State fan. Because I, I said this after the Oregon game, like, they're going to make changes. What that looks like, I'm not exactly sure. But also, the impact of that, I think, is still going to be a little unclear because they're not really playing anybody good for the next couple of weeks. Right. And even if you look at the schedule coming up, it's like, you know, they still have to play Penn State and Michigan and Michigan State and Maryland and Nebraska and, you know, maybe include Indiana in that too. I'm not, I'm not so sure. I don't know if any of those teams are really, like, offensive powerhouses. I think a couple of them do, like, one thing pretty well, but – I, th- I think they're all kind of limited offensively. So even even if Ohio State like really turns this thing around, and and you know a month from now you're looking at a defense that looks like it might be maybe the second or third best defense in the Big Ten, I'm still not entirely sure how real that's going to be because this is not a conference full of offensive juggernauts. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Well, buddy, I got some good news for you. We got stop rate this week. Okay, <laughs> for some stop rate. Yeah, right. I love stop rate. Yeah. Where would where would you guess? If you had to, where would you guess Ohio State is in stop rate? Uh, man, they have to take a massive step forward the last two weeks. Um, I would say they're like in the 40s. 34. Okay. Which I think for where you started, pretty respectable. Yeah, have you been tracking that all year, or is this the first week you've? you've this is the first. This is the first week. Yeah, this is the first week. So I don't. I don't know how bad it got. Yeah, I bet they were like in the nineties after the first three games. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, I, 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 pretty, pretty respectable. Now, the the interesting thing is, you know, you look at the rest of the conference, and Iowa's two, um, and and Nebraska's um, eighth, which is um, a little bit, a little bit surprising. Um, and uh, and Penn State is uh, Penn State's in the top ten too. Penn State is tenth. So um, there's some good defenses in this conference right now. Um, by the way, Georgia ninety three point four percent stop rate. Oh my goodness, that is uh, you know I've watched I watched them against Clemson, and I caught a little bit of them against Arkansas this week. That is one of the nastier defenses I've seen. <laughs> like yeah. they are. Up, up That's front, a pro defense. Incredible. Yeah. 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 They're they're ridiculous. But. Um, I you know I, I don't want to I I think I think Day did a good job diffusing the bomb there a bit and I know it's easy to like kind of go really big picture and be like okay well what does this have to be going forward what kind of players do they need at certain spots all that kind of stuff but like you have to just do like the damage control of like okay what's it just going to be for the rest of the season you know like that's what this and and you know Bill like these coaches like most coaches I'm not speaking of the Ohio State coaches but I'm saying most coaches at the college level even in being so successful to reach this level most coaches are like I do my thing this yeah. is what I've always coached this is how I've always done it I'm here because I've done one thing really well for 15 20 years right and so mm-hmm. the actual changing of in season into something different is very, very hard to do. And then, you know, and then to also sort of like pat, give that to the players and signal call that to them and all that and actually get them to do it right is a very hard thing to do. And um, so I, I don't want to spoil like your deep, deep dive on this in the bye week of how they fixed the defense, but are you more impressed by the scheme adjustments or are you more impressed by kind of some of the personnel choices? Because I know post Oregon there was just a lot of questions about all of that. Yeah, I, I, I'm, in, I'm impressed by all of it, but I think I'm more impressed by the scheme adjustments. And it's not like Matt Barnes didn't take over and like rewrite what it means to play defense. He's playing pretty basic stuff. It's like, oh, they're playing cover two now instead of playing cover one and cover three all the time. Um, and you know, their blitz packages thus far have been uh, fairly mundane and 
um, kind of the same thing week to week. Maybe that'll expand as the opponents um, get better, and th- and that bye week coming up after the Maryland game maybe is an opportunity for them to like really tweak it and put some some different looking, maybe more exotic stuff in there. But even even if it is relatively basic, the fact that they have changed from being so static from what they were starting in 2019 when Ryan Day took over, I think is still very impressive. Um, but you did mention, you know, they they had to pare down the personnel rotations too. Like it was absurd how many guys were running running out there it looked like a like a scrimmage half the time and like you're playing on the road at minnesota and you're playing in Oregon. like what, what are we doing here right. um so so they stopped doing that as much you know you're always going to rotate a little bit on the defensive line and i know high state's always done that but on the back in the back seven um they've really stopped doing that uh, to a degree that i think was frustrating to a lot of fans and i think you're seeing guys um, settle into roles ronnie hickman who i mentioned before i think is, is probably the best example of that but you're seeing it at other places too so you know, I, I do. I don't. I don't want to give them too much credit because they played five games, and the the last two really good defensive performances have been Akron and Rutgers. But I still think they should get some credit for for making fairly drastic changes mid season because I don't think anybody expected that. Um, I think I think maybe we expected them to perhaps mix in like one change up coverage to what they've done. Um, for the most part since 2019 and maybe settle in a little more on some personnel stuff, but they've been like kind of throwing a lot of different stuff out there. And I, and I think in some ways they're trying to figure out what best suits these guys. And obviously you do that in practice, but you need to see it in games too. Um, so I, I'm, like I said, I'm encouraged. And, and if I'm an Ohio state fan, I would feel encouraged too. Um, and I, I don't know. I am curious, Max, like what, uh, I, maybe I'll put you on the spot here. I don't know if you have this handy or, or, or not, but, is there a threshold when it comes to stop rate where teams that you know make the playoff or win the national championship typically fall under? You know, last year was kind of a little different. I mean, last year, um, I think Bama finished like 25th, and that was kind of the first year in the, I don't know, four years or so we've done this that, um, you know, that a team could, could go all the way without being really top 10, top 15 in that stuff. Um, I don't think that there's like some – percentage that Ohio State, you know, has to get to to be like, okay, now this is like a good defense, you know? And all and obviously this is all kind of like it, it all is about, you know, complimentary football too. But like, all right, national average is 70 or sorry, 68%. Ohio State's at 73, you know? So, um better, you know, the average among let's see here. The average among the top 10 is really high because of non-conference play and stuff, but it's um, yeah. I'm not going to use that one. George is way too high. <laughs> All right, uh, <laughs> uh, average among the top 25 is like 79 percent, right? So okay. you know, Ohio State 73. So like, and, and that stuff levels out a bit. You know, at some point we'll we'll take out the the non-FBS games too, and, and it'll just be FBS only. But um, you know, I I don't I like. I think that you can, you know, you can have what what they have right now, which is, would you say it's the best offense in college football? I, I think I, you probably have I to th- say that. I think you have to say that right now, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, Coast, Coastal Carolinas is pretty good, but of the team <laughs> yeah. of the teams in the playoff hunt, yeah, it's Ohio State. Yeah, I think they're best in Coastal's best in points per drive, right? Yeah, I they are. Their, e, their EPA per play is like up over four. It's absurd. Yeah, Ohio State should switch to that offense. That offense is pretty fun. <laughs> That'd be great, actually. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, no, I, I think that it has the potential to be not just a top five offense, but but, but the best offense in the country um, statistically, and they're certainly heading in the right direction. So, you know, it, part of it is being complimentary to that, and you know, you know, can you just be a defense? And you know, I've I've covered the Big Twelve a lot, so why don't we put it in those terms? Because you know, this offense is so good. Can you play the kind of complimentary football where you just like you get stops and you get turnovers? You know, can mm-hmm. you just be good on third down? Can you get enough takeaways? Obviously, the defensive touchdowns that they're getting now um, makes a huge difference. Um, but can you just play that kind of football where, yeah, you, you you if you give up some points in some of these big games, that's okay. But are you, are you just getting enough stops um, to you know get your offense back on the field and, and do what it does? And I, and I think that's that's going to be the name of the game here. It's not about you know, can we finish top 10 in the country in points per game and pressures and all that kind of stuff? Like, it just just be good enough to service this offense. That's how I kind of felt Alabama was built last year. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, I, I don't think 
like if, if anything, Bama fans probably were like, I'm not sure if our DC is good enough, you know? <laughs> but that didn't, you know, that, that, that didn't matter. That didn't matter because of what they could do offensively. And so, um, I, yeah, like I, I think that Ohio state's got some, some good pieces here. And, you know, when you go play that big game, like against Oregon, then that's really put to the test. And, and obviously you, you have a lot of, I, and I love the way you guys broke it down. Cause there, there's a lot of like little micro issues and a lot of like sort of macro issues, depending on how you want to look at it. Mm-hmm. But, um, I think that, um, you know, that, that thing, like you called out the play. I thought it was interesting. You called out the play of Marcus Williamson in your, your final thoughts, right? Yes, I did. And yeah. I think that something that is really underrated to that, and I'm glad you pointed it out, is that also when you do make changes, and as you said, when you're trying to service too many players to start the season and, and trying to rotate a lot, and maybe it's unclear who you know who really needs to – well, it becomes clear who needs to be out there, but it's kind of unclear who the coaches really want to put out there. Um, part of it's also that those players, if, they, if their role changes, that they just – agree to be damn good in their role and that's not you know you know that's not always the case you could just go quit the team right i mean we're kind of at that point in the season where you can just go in the portal if you're if you're pissed about it so part of it is that when you make adjustments it's not just that the players go out and execute it and play at a high level but then the depth of it has to be there too of guys saying like okay here's what i here's my situation maybe it's not what i thought it was going to be this season maybe i don't love it um but can i just be really good in the snaps i get yeah, and I, th- I pointed out Marcus Williamson um, because I, th- I think he's probably maybe the best example of that on this roster right now. And, and, and look, it's like we all saw the Kayvon Pope thing last week or two weeks ago. No, last yeah. week. Um, and, and Dallas Gann, another linebacker, went in the portal like much more quietly <laughs> before that. Yeah. Um, and I think people wanted to make that sort of like a thing that's like indicative of a culture problem in the program. And I don't think it is. I, I think I think there were some bumps in the road here for Ohio State, to be sure. They had to demote their defensive coordinator. They had to totally re- revamp what they do defensively. They had to let a young freshman quarterback kind of work through some stuff and also try to manage a roster when, when a lot of first- and second-year players are, are taking on roles that I'm not sure we all expected them to take on. But it does feel to me that perhaps they're moving past that now and, and are, are in a much – better place just sort of like in general on the whole than they were coming off of that Oregon game like no one likes to lose I get that and Ohio State handles losing probably worse than anybody in the country because <laughs> it happens it happens so infrequently here and I mean both in, inside the program and outside the program probably more outside the program man we I mean we had A&M and LSU and Florida all lose this and Notre Dame all lose this weekend so like there we had some you know it's yeah there are a couple couple fan bases trying to make a run at that obviously are they all trying to burn the thing down like Ohio State fans did? <laughs> I don't think uh, A&M fans, yeah, yeah, A&M fans, and probably LSU fans. But yeah, no, it, this is uh, that's that, that's part of the sport, man. Like, there is yeah. there another sport where you only get twelve games to like as a sample size to actually oh, show no. if you're good or not? No, There's it's not the ultimate ultimate small sample size sport, and we love. We love the passion for sure, doing what we do. But at times, it's just like I got to turn these Twitter mentions off for like an hour, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I can get some peace of mind. No um, but uh, but I think I think Ohio State does appear to be past some of that tumult a little bit, and and has this thing pointed in the right direction now. You know, if Maryland hangs forty points on them this week, I guess we'll have a different podcast next week. But uh, I, I do I think Ari will come show up for that one. I yeah, yeah, think. yeah. He'll have he'll have some heat for that one for sure. But but I do, <laughs> I do think um, they're headed in the right direction here. As much as much as you can put stock in a game against Rutgers that looked like that um, looked, uh, I, I think that was a sign that that Ohio State is is figuring some things out and has this thing pointed in a direction where we all thought they were going to be headed this year. Yeah, and I think it, part of that, and I know this is kind of cliche, but it's probably true for this team where I think you probably just have to like focus on the work and the improvement, and you can't really waste any time being like, how is this relative to Alabama or Georgia or Penn State or what, you know, like whatever you want to like judge this by in terms of who's in your way, right? Like, I think you yeah. just have to stick to. We just have to be really good drive to drive right now, and not not being like, oh man, this is this defense is not going to get where it needs to. Like, I, and I think it seems like this staff has done a pretty good good job about that. And it, and and it has, you know, I think the Rutgers game hopefully is indicative that they've got you know everybody's like kind of got this thing like you said in the right direction, and not just like sort of 
I don't know, just like just trying to be as good as you can with what you got and not really like getting so concerned about, well, you know, this is this is not to the standard of our past teams or anything like that, you know? Yeah, I, I think I think ultimately what, what and you know there's a lot of games left, so I, th- I feel like on like one one hand we're talking like Ohio State season is over, they're in the playoff, like they got this whole thing figured out. Great. Clearly, there's a there's a long road to go before before they get there, but I I think there was, and I'll, I mean I'll put this on myself too, like I didn't quite anticipate this. This was much more of a development year for Ohio State than than I think we all thought it would be. That's not to say that it can't end the way that Ohio State fans expect an Ohio State season to end, but the road to get there and the way we sort of consume and analyze that might be a little different than, than it has been, especially the last two years when they were kind of loaded starting at the quarterback position. It's, it's, the, it's the old uh, saying. It's like, and this is probably true all the time at Ohio State, like uh, comparison is the thief of joy. You know, (laughs) it all has to be better than last year and the year before and the team that won a title and all that. And it's like, you know, right now it's just right now you just got to figure out how to how to just make it good enough. Yeah. And I do. And I do think that Ohio State is going to be a pretty fun team to watch here. Like the offense is crazy good. Um, And the defense, you know, the defense is definitely still going to have moments that are going to make you want to pull your hair out. But I think they'll be an entertaining and maybe like kind of like a big play in terms of making big splash play defense um, along the way, even if, you know, every now and then the team might bust a 75 yard touchdown. So um, when Ryan day says like, this is a very different team than a month ago, do you, you feel like you buy that at this point or do you, is there a little bit of danger in believing, Oh yeah, this is, everything's totally different now. I, I mostly buy it. I, I, I am hesitant only because of what you said there. It's like, how, how much do you want to you know bask in the glow of a 52-13 win at Rutgers? And I think you can do that a little too much. But you know I also spend a fairly decent amount of time around this team and feel like I have a, a, a feel for, for where it's at. And the vibe in the first two weeks was not particularly good and just felt a little bit off, and there were some things to figure out, and, and it feels different and better now. Um, moving forward. So so I I do buy that. And I don't think you know, Ryan Day doesn't necessarily wear his emotions on his sleeve, but I also don't think he he's a BSer. I think if he if he felt some kind of way about his team not being in the right spot, he would like let us on. Like if the vibe was wrong, you y'all would have a sense the vibe is wrong. Yeah, we would be able to pick up on it somehow even if he didn't say it directly, which I think happened in the first couple of weeks. Um so when he says that as confidently as he did after the Rutgers game, I, I tend to believe him there too. I, it's funny. I think a lot of college football teams, I, I was thinking about this this morning. Uh, it's like, sometimes it's like kind of like, it's like an I- Ikea like dresser without instructions or something, <laughs> you know, like sometimes, cause it's, it's just like, you've got all these pieces and Ohio state's got very good pieces, you know? And it just kind of seemed like this staff was just sort of still trying to figure out the pieces over the first month. And I know it a lot to a lot of people that's like insane. Cause you have a whole off season to do that, you know, but sometimes, you just figure out different stuff from actually going out and playing, especially playing a hard game like they did early. And this dresser, like, maybe it ends up being like just a little bit crooked. You know, maybe the maybe yeah. one of the drawers doesn't push in all the way like it's supposed to. You know, I've had my fair share of those. Um, yeah. But I think it's probably going to be a very good dresser. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <that's laughs> like I think it's probably probably still going to do the job uh, and 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 be you know be what you wanted. It's just it it, may, it might be just a little bit uh, stressful to sort of put that together here. Yeah, per- perfectly functional dresser where like the bottom drawer just sticks a little bit because you you you, you lost one of those weird little like uh, wooden nubby things that goes into those holes that that, that yes. IKEA likes to put on the, and those cork board and, uh, and honestly probably about you know we've bought a lot of IKEA furniture over the years because <laughs> when you first buy a house you realize oh I want I want cheap furniture um, once you've you know started paying that mortgage but um, <laughs> I'm I'm the person who probably seventy five percent of the time. I have to like go backwards a step and undo a thing or two yes. that I did because yes. I just didn't understand it. And that's and that's maybe that's what Ohio State did. Maybe they just yeah. had to go backwards a step and and fix that thing they didn't fix and then 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 you move forward and keep building it. Man, that is a that is like probably the perfect uh metaphor for Ohio State season. Yeah. But it's also did. like not super cheap wood either. This is this is some quality wood that we're building with here at Ohio yeah, yeah, State. There, there are know? levels, there are levels to IKEA furniture. Yeah. 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 
So uh, I think I think this is right. I think I think Ohio State is going to turn into a mighty fine piece of IKEA furniture by the end of this season. Um, and even, you know, my my IKEA furniture has held up pretty well. You know, listen, I'm sitting at an IKEA desk right now that served me well for five years. So I there think uh, I yes, think sir. Ohio State will be just fine in the end. Um, <laughs> all right, they, uh, they just do it with premium parts over there. You know? That's right. It's, that's it's, right. A, it's an it's an IKEA process, but it's premium parts. That's right. Sometimes you can get the nice IKEA furniture that has like glass in it, and that's uh, yeah, that's what that's what Ohio State's going to be in the end. I think. Yeah. Uh, all right. <laughs> that's enough <laughs> IKEA talk. I think uh, we'll wrap we'll wrap the show up there. Uh, th- thank you, Max, uh, for filling in for Ari. Really appreciate it. Make sure you guys go read. Uh, Max's work at the Athletic, theathletic.com slash four dash six. to sign up. Read stop rate. I love stop rate. I think it's a great way to uh, get a gauge of, of how the, the best defenses I think are we'll actually performing. We'll have that up Tuesday, I believe. Tuesday or Wednesday, that'll be up. Yeah. Tuesday, check it out. Uh, Max's Saturday takeaways are always really fun to read on, on Sundays uh, as well. It's a good recap of what happened uh, in the weekend that was of college football. So uh, thank you again, Max. We appreciate it. And hopefully, Ari will be back later in the week. We'll talk to you guys then.